Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And it's a great Gospel. It's powerful because it presents Jesus as the perfect man. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the sacrifice and substitute for the sins of the world. Now, he's finished his ministry in northern Israel. He's on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill the plan, to fulfill the will of the Father. And that's to die and rise again, to pay for sin and conquer death. And we've seen religious leaders are opposed to him. The nation as a whole has not believed in him And as he gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, it gets worse and worse. The opposition does. As we continue this morning, we are seeing one of the most famous stories in the Bible, in the Word of God. Jesus teaches what we often call the prodigal son. We realize there are really three stories that go together. There's a parable with three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. All show the great truth that God loves people and that God wants us to be with him. He wants sinners to be with him in a relationship and in fellowship. The religious leaders were grumbling that Jesus was actually spending time with these sinners. And these stories that Jesus teaches shows that God loves us and he wants us to be with him. May we understand God's love for all people as we look through this passage. There's some great things there. I know of a family that had some troubles. The father and son had a big disagreement. They broke fellowship. It became a big deal. Uh, The son left. The son left home. And at this point, he's never come back. Both the father and son have too much pride to call the other one and to say, I'm sorry, or let's get back together. And they've not been back together. We would all want the situation to be changed, that the son would come home, the father would walk him back, they would be reconciled. It would be good for these two to be back together. Well, this morning, as we look at the Gospel of Luke, we see this famous story. And this is one that we most, most of us know. It's the story of the prodigal son. Son leaves home, gets into trouble, and then he wants to come back. And what happens? And we see that the Father welcomes him back. It's a picture of God's love for us, for sinners, that God welcomes us both in a relationship and fellowship with him. He wants us to be with him. And so this morning, as we look at the details of the last of the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, we'll see how it fits together as we go through. Well, let's begin. Remember, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. Several weeks ago, we saw great teaching. He taught about two different things. He taught about salvation and discipleship. We realize that salvation is a gift. It's just by faith in Jesus Christ. He talked about discipleship, and discipleship costs us. It's for believers, but it costs us our lives as we follow Jesus and we take up the cross. Now, last time we began seeing the famous parable, which had the three stories to it. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to start with a review. I'm just going to give you a quick review. This is some of the things we saw last time. Here's what we're going to do. Give you the outline of the chapter. We're going to give you some background. Remind you of the two ways of understanding the parable, the stories. And then we'll really get the details on the third story, which is the lost son. Then remind you, here's the outline of the passage. In chapter 15, the grumbling of the religious leaders, that's verses 1 and 2. And then the parable, which, excuse me, it's supposed to be uh, verse 3 through 32. It's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. This is where we are now. Now, let me give you the details of where we are. If you go to the next slide, this is the lost son. Starting at verse 11, we see that he's leaving. He's taking his inheritance. He gets into the famine. He's all in trouble. He wants to come home. He's going back home. And then we see the father's response. There's compassion and joy. But we see the older brother's response. There is anger. He talks about his service to the father. And then we end up the final part of the passage where the father's teaching. And he talks about the blessings and the joy. So there's some great things as we go through this passage. Now, we're going to talk about the background. I'll remind you this from last time. That uh, why is this parable being told? Why would Jesus stop and give these three stories? Religious leaders are angry. 
Jesus is spending time with sinners. Some tax collectors and sinners were hanging around Jesus. They were coming to him to hear what he had to say. And the religious leaders basically were saying if Jesus is who he said he was, he wouldn't be hanging around with these sinners. What Jesus wants him to realize, or these religious leaders to realize, because of who Jesus is, he wants to be with the sinners. He wants us to be with him. That's why he tells the stories. The third thing is, is there's two ways to understand the parable and the stories. Some people have always said, well, there's salvation. It's a picture of being lost and then being saved. There's another view, which is the picture of restoration, that some, some, they're out of fellowship and being restored. That's really the idea. Though, If you think of it as salvation, person lost a sheep, person lost a coin, person lost a son, and when they come back, it's a picture of being gone, lost, dead, and now they're back, and it's like salvation. The other view is restoration, that it was the person's sheep, it was the woman's coin, and it was the father's son, and they get away, sort of broken fellowship, and then there's restoration. I think the first two could easily be salvation. You could put, do them that way. The last one, the one that we're looking at today, the, the prodigal son, fits much better, I think, as restoration, because he is the father's son who breaks fellowship, wants his stuff, leaves, gets himself into trouble, and then wants to come back. Now, they could go together because if you look at chapter 15, verse 2, notice it says, both the Pharisees and the scribes begin to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You could say that receiving sinners is the idea of salvation and eating with them is the idea of fellowship. So it could it could be both. In fact, as we talk about it, I'll, I'll remind you the two ways to take the parable. However, I think the best, and if you just said, if you could only take it one way, which would you take it? I would take it as restoration and fellowship, especially the last one, the one we're looking at this morning. The third thing we want to see, or the fourth thing we see this morning is, uh, I think go to the next one, is the, the details of the third story, the lost son. And let me, let me remind you, sometimes it's called the prodigal son, sometimes it's called the loving father, sometimes it's called the angry brother, all of those things tie together. Now, let me remind you. The first, the parable has three parts. First story was man had a hundred sheep. One of them got lost. He left the 99, went and found the, the one, brought it back, put it on his shoulder, called all his guy friends together and said, I found the sheep that was lost. And it ended by saying there's great joy when someone that is lost comes back. And so it's either a salvation, there's great joy when somebody trusts in Christ and they're brought into a relationship with God, or there's great joy when somebody's gone and they come back. Second story is a woman had ten coins. They were part of her marriage veil. They had these little coins, and she lost one. She swept the house. She found it. She called together her girlfriends and said, I found my coin. And everybody was all happy. There was great joy. And once again, there's great joy when there's been someone come back. And so whether it's salvation or discipleship or uh, fellowship, we look at it that way. We now have come to this third story. And as we've got it listed there, it could be called the two sons. It could be the lost son. It could be the loving father. It could be the angry brother because all emphasize that. In fact, I have seen this taught before as the whole emphasis on the loving father. Because the loving father is the one that when the younger son wants his stuff, he gives it to him. He never stops loving his, his sons. And when one son comes back, he never stops loving. When the older son gets all mad, never stops loving. So some have said that the parable is really should be called the loving father. Throughout history, most everybody's called it the prodigal son. We'll see how all this ties together. Let's start back at verse 11. We touched a little bit on this last week. Let's get sort of a running start through that. Here's the third story. And he said... A man had two sons. 
This story could be called the two sons if we wanted to. The younger of them said to his, fa- said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Now, here what's happened is the, the younger son, and that's why I think it's better to see it restoration because this he is a child in the family, and he says, I want my inheritance. I want my share of the state that falls to me. You notice normally when a person died, when the dad died, then it was divided up between his sons. And I told you last time that the older son got a double portion. If there were two sons... The inheritance was divided into three parts. Two-thirds went to the the older son. One-third went to the younger son. That's just the way it was. If there were three, it was divided into four parts. And the older son got two. Everybody else got one. That's just the way they did it. Well, here's the younger son, and he's saying to his dad, I want my stuff now. We talked about this last week that that's a pretty harsh thing because what it was actually saying is, I want my stuff. I, I wish you were dead. It's an insult to the father. The loving father, look what he does. The end of the verse says, so he divided his wealth between them. He divided the wealth. Now, why did this younger son want his stuff right now? Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. It seems to be that his plan was, as soon as I get my stuff, I'm out of here. There seems to be some problem there, and he's breaking fellowship with his dad, fellowship with the father. And he says, I want, I want to leave. And so he goes and leaves. It says he went on a journey into a distant country, pretty far away, and he squandered. The word we talked last week, it means to scatter, it means to lose, it means to be used up. He squandered his estate with loose living. Uh, the word loose living is sort of, it means unwise living, it means sensual. It's a picture of the son breaking fellowship and going off and sinning and doing his own things. And sometimes we do our own thing, don't we? Sometimes we leave fellowship with our Heavenly Father and we say, I want to do my own thing. I want my stuff. I want to do my thing. And look what happened. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to be impoverished. Now, he spent everything he had, didn't have anything left. In fact, the Greek word means wasteful. Literally, it says, when he had been wasteful, a famine came. And it says he was impoverished, which means he has nothing. He has nothing. Who cares about him? He's in a distant country. Who cares about him? All those people that he wasted his money on and his livelihood and his estate on, you think they care about him? No. See, when we break fellowship and we... Get back into this fallen world. Because, see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But a lot of times, we break fellowship, and we and we try to live into this world. And guess what? The world doesn't care anything about us. Doesn't care anything about us. The world looks attractive, but offers absolutely nothing. We may think it offers something, but it doesn't. And so here he is, and he's impoverished. He has nothing. And you know what? He can't go to those people in this world and say, I need some help. Guess what? They're not going to help him. They don't care anything about him. This fallen world doesn't care anything about you. and not going to help you either. So he went and hired himself out, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That's a horrible job. For a Jewish person, that's the lowest thing you could do was to work with the pigs. Not supposed to have anything to do with the pigs. In, in my research on this, a lot of times I realized that the man who hired him, he could have probably had him do a lot of different jobs. But he didn't really want this guy around. 
And he knew he was Jewish. So he said, here's what I'll do. I will make him do the pigs. What he'll do is he'll go out there. He's not going to work with those pigs. He'll just leave. So he sent him in the field to feed the swine. We told you last week that the religious leaders hearing Jesus tell the story, they would have gone, oh, come on, come on, pigs. Why did you have to put that in a story? I don't like anything about pigs. That's about as low as you can get. And it was as low as he could get. He would have gladly, verse 16, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And notice, no one was giving anything to him. No one was taking care of him. Here's the son with broken fellowship from the father. He's sinning. He's lost. He's in a place where nobody cares. And the world has nothing to offer him. Never does. Never has. Never will. What happens if he wants to come back? What happens when a sinner comes back? What's our heavenly father's response? Does he love sinners? Does he love us? What is Jesus teaching? What happens in our lives when we sin, when we move away from our Heavenly Father, and we realize, this is stupid. The world has nothing to offer. What's our Heavenly Father like when we say, Lord, I I, I blew it. What's it going to be like? What is Jesus teaching? He's teaching there's joy when one comes back. That's what we saw in the first two stories. What's going to happen in this one? Look at verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? He came to his senses. It's sort of like he went, Hello? What am I thinking? What am I doing? I'm here. I, I left my family. I left my daddy. I left my brother. I left everything. I'm out here where nobody cares about me. I have no food. I have nothing. This is not a good life. This is not the way I should be living. Now, I want you to understand something. Realize that some people never come to their senses for the idea of salvation. If you want to make it salvation, there's some people who never come to the point that they think they need a Savior. They think they can do it themselves. They think they don't need God. They don't need anything but themselves. Self-made people. There's some people who say, well, I'm going to try to live a good life. I got baptized. I'm going to try to go to church. I'm going to do this. Some of them never come to their senses and realize they have to have a Savior, that they can't save themselves. There's some, in the idea of restoration, they never come to their senses. When we sin, when we broken fellowship, they have no joy. They never really come back. They never confess their sins. They never deal with it. They just get further and further away. Don't be that way. As a believer, if there's sin in your life, there's sin in our lives, deal with it. Come to our senses. Well, the son comes to his senses and he says, Hello, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. This is ridiculous. As children of God, when we break fellowship, we have no power, we have no rewards, we have no fellowship, and we have no joy. You can lose the joy of your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose the joy of your salvation. So he comes up with a plan. Verse 18. I will get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, here's my plan. The worst that can happen is I go back and I just tell him I'm not even worthy to be son. Let me just work. Because if I work in the field, if I work for my dad, there's food. That's what's happened. So I'm going to go back and say to him, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired hand. I think this is a great picture of, and I'm looking at it as restoration, a believer with sin in their life, recognizing their sin, confessing their sin, and said, I'm going home. And that'd be us saying, Lord, I just recognize that I've been doing this and it's wrong, and I confess it, and the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive. Notice what he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, just make me like a hired hand. Well, let me ask you this question. When we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, are we worthy to be called children of God? No, we're never worthy. It's all the grace of God. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Is this Son still a Son of the Father? Yes. When we sin, when we fall, when we break fellowship, are we still children of God? Yes. See, there's some people that actually teach that when you sin and you get sin in your life, that you lose your salvation. Or there's some people that say if you sin, get sin all in your life, it proves you weren't a Christian. No. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you are saved and saved forever, and you are a child of God forever. And if you get sin in your life and you break fellowship and you go off, you are still a child of God. And the plan is to come back. Because what he wants, he wants you to be back with him. He says, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven and again your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like the hired man. That's what I'll do. He's coming back. How do we feel sometimes when we confess our sins? We feel, how do we feel? We feel unworthy. How does our Heavenly Father respond? What does Jesus teach us? You know, the first story, there was great joy. And the second story, there was great joy. What do you think he's going to see in the third story? There's great joy. Notice verse 20. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, he got up and he decided to go back and his father saw him a long way off. Now, let me tell you, the only way his father could have seen him from a long way off is his father was looking for him. Probably every day his father went out there and said, Boy, I hope he's coming back. I hope he's coming. He needs to be coming back. He needs to come back. And our Heavenly Father wants us to come back. He's looking for you. How do we think God looks at us when we sin, when we confess? Do you think he says to us, what do you think you have done? Who do you think you are? After all I've done for you, I've sent my son to die for you. I've given you eternal life. I made you my child. And is this the way you've acted? Well, let me tell you something. We're not going to put up with this sort of thing again. Is that how your Heavenly Father talks to you? Is that how your Heavenly Father looks at you when you have sinned? Have we been in disobedience and rebellion to the Heavenly Father? Yes. How does he deal with us? He says, I love you. I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Come back. Notice what the father did. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is what God does. He's wanting us to come back. 
If this is salvation, God wants us to have eternal life. If it's restoration, which I think is the best picture, He wants us to get back into fellowship with Him. The Father loves His Son. God loves His children. Now, notice something that's a little bit unusual. You might not know it, but it says He ran and embraced Him. Did you know in that culture, older men do not run? They did not run. He's running to see His Son. Notice what the son does. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He said, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called. You know what he's doing? He's confessing his sin. He's saying, Father, I blew it. I blew it. And that's what we do when we confess our sins. We tell in ourselves. We say, I blew it. I did that. I I shouldn't have done that. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. You said it's wrong. And before he could say, make me a hired hand. Look what the father did. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf. Kill it and let's eat and celebrate. What does the father say? Look what he says. Bring out the best robe, bring out the ring, bring out the sandals. Do you know he wasn't wearing any shoes? Slaves didn't wear shoes. He said, You're not a slave, you're my what? My son, get those shoes on. Get that ring back on. Give him the best robe. You know whose robe it probably was? It's probably the father's robe. Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. You know what he's saying? You're in this family. You're back. Get those shoes on. You're not a slave. You're a son. And when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Our sins are far as the what? East is from the west. He didn't walk around saying, remember last week? You remember last week? You remember what you did? You better, you better shape up this week. Because I got it right here. He didn't keep that record like that. He doesn't keep that record. When you confess your sins, it's gone. And he says, put your shoes on. Get the ring on. Get the robe on. Let's eat. See, this is fellowship. Let's be together. There's joy. It says, bring out the fatted calf. I think we got to show joy. Fellowship. Bring out the fatted calf. Kill it. Let's eat and let's celebrate. You realize by saying that, the whole community was probably invited to this thing? Not just this little family. The whole community. My son's back. Let me ask you this. When a believer sins, gets in the gets into problems, and then comes back, are they second-class Christians from that point on? Some people treat them like they are. Some people say, yeah, but you know what you did four years ago. You're not worthy. Who's worthy? Any of us worthy to do anything for the Lord? Any of us worthy to be His children? There are no second-class Christians. Put the robe on. Get the ring on. Get the sandals on. Bring out the best food. Let's celebrate. What does he say? For the Son of Mine was dead and has come to life again. And he's lost and he's been found and they begin to celebrate. If it's salvation, lost and saved, it's restoration, the confession, and back in fellowship. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, He's wanting you to come be with Him right now by faith in Jesus Christ. If you have sin in your life 
As a believer, if you have sin in your life, He's wanting you to be with Him right now. What happens? We see the older brother. Some people say the older brother is the Pharisee. I don't think so. I think the older brother is the older brother. I think the older brother is the fellow believer who sees his fellow believer go off, get into trouble, and come back, and then go, I had not moved away. I ain't got myself in trouble. I haven't done all these sins. And you're going to bring this guy back and put him right back in the fellowship and have all the privileges and everything of being a child of God? See, sometimes we look at those fallen sinners and say, boy, they're sinners. I don't think they measure up to us. So look what happens. Now, his older son was in the field, and when he came home and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. I love this. The word music is symphonia in Greek. We get symphony from it. The word dancing is choros. We get chorus from it. He heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and been inquiring, what, what are these things? What's going on? What's happening? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatty calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Father's having a big party. You know what the brother wants to say? That's not, this shouldn't be a big party. This shouldn't be anything special. My brother's worthless. Actually, he's not even my brother. I'm not even going to count him as my brother. He's wasted all his money. He doesn't deserve a party. And so, verse 28, he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. How do we respond when believers who have had sin in their life come back? Are we angry that they came back? Are we angry that God the Father puts them back in the fellowship? He's missing the grace of God. Nobody deserves anything. Guess who's out of fellowship now? It's not the younger son. It's the older one. He became angry and was not willing to go in. Go into the party. Go into the fellowship. So his father, the loving father, came out and began pleading with him. One had broken fellowship. Now back. Now the other breaks fellowship. He comes in and he says, look. He noticed and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've never neglected the command of yours. And yet you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate my friends. I mean, I've been here all these years doing all this stuff. You've never done anything for me. But when this son of yours, notice, he can't even call him his brother. When this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you kill a fatty calf for him. This doesn't seem right to me. He doesn't deserve it. The answer is twofold here. He's going to talk to the older son, and then he's going to talk about the younger son. What does he say about the older son? He said, son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. He says, you're not losing anything. Now, I want you to understand something. In that culture, when that son came back, the younger son, he didn't get his inheritance back. He's already spent it. It's gone. It's not like, hey, I'm going to take part of the older boy's stuff and give it away. The older boy isn't losing anything. Son will not have, the one who lost his inheritance has lost it. It's probably a picture of us who are not serving God and we lost our rewards. We're not going to have rewards. He said, son, you've always been with me. All that is mine. Is yours. Faithful service is going to be rewarded. We don't have to look at believers who come back and say, that's not fair. It's never fair. It's not fair that we get anything. It's not fair that we get to serve Him. It's not fair. There's not a fairness here. It's called grace. But look what He says. 
We have to celebrate. This is the younger son. We have to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother's yours was dead, but he's become to live. And he was lost, and he's been found. We have to celebrate. God wants sinners with him. And that's what started this whole thing. When those religious leaders said, he is receiving them and eating with them. And he told the three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Because what God wants is sinners with him. See, those Pharisees and scribes, guess what? They were sinners too. They just didn't see themselves that way. Jesus would have loved for them to come be with him. As we see this parable and the three stories go together, God has a love for sinners. Whether it's salvation or restoration, God wants us to be with him. What have we seen? Religious leaders grumble because Jesus was with sinners. Jesus teaches the parable with three stories. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. God rejoices when that which is lost has been restored. And God wants us with him both salvation and fellowship. Let me give you some applications very quickly. First of all, realize great God's great love for us. Number A, we are sinners. We are. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, God wants sinners to be with Him. He does. He wants us with Him. Whether it's, and I've got it here, either salvation or restoration. Now, however you want to take the passage, I think the last part's definitely restoration. That's how I see it. God loves us and wants us to be with Him. And here's a key. There is great joy when a person comes to be with Christ, whether it's salvation or restoration. And how in the world do we respond when a believer who, who has had sin in their lives comes back? How do we respond? There is no second-class Christians. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we as believers confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. So number two, come to be with Christ. And it's for salvation, A, salvation is by faith. If you're separated from God by faith in Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. It's that simple. But if it's restoration, it's simply by confession. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. We have the loss of joy and the loss of rewards. God wants us to be with Him. That's the key. May we understand God's great love for us and His desire for us to be with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths that you love us. Even though we sin and come short of the glory of God, you want us to be with you. And whether it's for salvation or restoration, you want us with us. You want us with you. And there is such great joy when someone comes to be with you. Lord, may we know that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And Lord, may we reach out in love to those who come back as well. Lord, thank you that salvation is by faith and restoration is simply by confession. And may we from this passage realize that you want us with you. And may we rejoice when a sinner comes to be with the Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.